You guys like shared universes? I don't not like them. If you could make a hell, a hell, a horror shared universe, who would you want to see share such a universe? That's a good question. So it's like a roommate situation or is this kind of like a... Like a perfect strangers. We're talking like the Avengers <laughs> of horror movies. Who's going to be bulky? <laughs> it's an 80s deep cut for your children out there. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Who would be in my shared universe? I would like to see... You know what would be cool? What if all horror... Like, or not horror. All horror movies are in my shared universe. What if all... Um, uh, haunted houses were in a shared universe. So like your Amityville, your poltergeist, et cetera. It was like a little suburban community. It, Every house in the community is actually a, a haunted house. Yeah, a haunted cul-de-sac, if you will, uh, where... Every house is haunted. I would love it. It's like the burbs, but it's like every house is haunted. Yeah, that's that's my shared universe. One was built on an Indian grave graveyard. One was a murder house. Yeah, like a Be like six families roll in and like they all move in on the first day and all the hauntings start at once. Oh, that'd be great. Ooh, I like that. The haunted neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> that could be what it's called. I I think. Wait, I is that is that a shared universe or did we just come up with a, a, a different plot idea? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, we just made up our own movie, to be honest here. I mean, my ideal shared universe technically is already official, which would be a Jason Freddy shared universe where they team up and perhaps kill kids in a cornfield. At a rave? At a makeshift rave, rave in a cornfield? Where else I, would you kill kids? I feel like I've seen this movie. Nope, made it up all on my own right now. <laughs> patent pending, patent pending. Well, I think I just want to see a universe where the Zeno, the, Zeno, the Zenobites, the Zenobites just kind of show up at everything, like... I'd like to see what happens if they turn Jason into a Cenobite or Freddy into a Cenobite. Like, how would they twist him around and, you know, make him even more? Are you talking about visually? Because I don't know if they become more entertaining once they become Cenobites. One could argue they become CD face. CD face. That's maximum entertainment value right there. I wish they made a CD face (laughs) action figure. I would buy it. They did. Oh. I, I got to find it. I'm, I'm going to have to go on I, eBay. I think, uh, I think uh, one of my friends has one. And then like, you move its arm and it shoots CDs out? I don't know if it does <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, it's got action grip, kung fu grip. <laughs> kung fu grip. And CD face. Um, yeah, I think I would like to see that. Um, just kind of like the watchers of the Marvel Universe. Like the, the Cenobites just kind of pop in when shit goes wrong. And they're like, oh, what can we do here to fuck some stuff up? I don't think that's what the Watchers do. They that's, just watch. They just well, watch. That's, I, I know that. It's like the opposite of what the Watchers do. <laughs> Cinnabites aren't just going to watch. Maybe they are. Maybe they're into just watching. I mean, to be fair, they let like What's-Her-Face and Frank and all them dick around forever and just kind of like let them do their thing. So I, you know what? I don't think this is important. I don't think we need to like, <laughs> worry too much about it. I don't think legal rights are going to ever let this happen in any like reasonable fashion. Well, the reason I bring this up is because uh, we just did our Leatherface episode and I ended it with saying, I don't even know what the hell's going on in this franchise anymore. I don't know who's got the rights. Uh, Bloody Disgusting did put out an article a while back saying that the Chainsaw Massacre franchise writes are going back to uh, Legendary Entertainment, who are also responsible for the Godzilla and King Kong crossover. Uh, They also have access to uh, Friday the 13th. They'll regain that in early 2019. Uh, So by the time this comes out, they'll already have rights back to that. And they do control some of the new line properties, or they could very easily have that back as well. So they're talking about what speculative ideas they could be doing with like a shared horror universe with these three slashers. Leatherface versus Godzilla. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's separate, (laughs) but I, but yeah, I don't know if I want that to happen. I like the idea of them doing like a Halloween type thing where they just like go back and have fun with the the individual franchise, not necessarily like 
mesh them all together. When has that ever worked out to our benefit? I think Freddy versus Jason was okay. I mean, I again reiterate, when has that ever worked out to our benefit? <laughs> Alien versus Predator, Alien versus Predator 2. Awful. I mean, both of them. Tremendous films. Keep <laughs> going, keep going, say. John. You've got the uh, way. Did you just call them films? Films. Casablancas. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't like any of those movies. I'd hope not. <laughs> uh, you know, I know that uh, uh, Leatherface, one of the first slasher icons, right? And everybody wants to put him in the pantheon with Freddy Krueger and Jason. But there's nothing about him that is supernatural. So I don't really see him going toe-to-toe with these other characters because he for all we know, is basically just a fucked up human being and could get murdered. He goes to sleep, Frey kills him. That's it. I'd only want to see like if like the people who survived the other killer ends up in the other killer's world. Like someone who survives the house in Chainsaw like ends up, well, I'm going to hide away at Camp Crystal Lake and then boom, they have to deal with Jason and then that person like ends up in therapy but she has sleep problems and Freddy comes after yeah. her. Like if they shared the same victim, like if that's the connective tissue between all this... I'm cool with a shared universe in that or, aspect. But having the killers and the the monsters and stuff like that all be kind of together, I don't think that's ever worked. I don't think that's ever worked in a way that I've thought, like, yeah, finally. I actually do really like Freddy vs. Jason. I stand by that one. I thought it was a fun movie. It is not like, I mean, is it the most exciting, memorable, majestic movie? No. But, Did you uh, say majestic in terms of Freddy versus Jason? As what it is not, but it is <laughs> Robert a... Robert f- England is a majestic man. <laughs> but it is a fun movie. Yes, it is fun. And so. the thing is, is they found out a really smart, intelligent way to get those two horror icons together. Yeah, I did like that story. It so. was a good idea. So it would take a lot to get all three of these guys together and make it work. What if like in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, where uh, Kristen could pull people into her dreams... Maybe they they replay on that, and they and someone brings Leatherface into a dream as like a protector or something. I don't know. You know, you'd have to workshop it, but something like that. Turn Leatherface into the good guy. Yeah, I mean, no. they, we per no. Leatherface the movie. He's actually just a misunderstood uh, <laughs> no, no, human no. being. You anyway. don't get to quote that movie and call it canon. <laughs> We've already said we're not gonna accept the Leatherface uh, origin story. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, this is all speculation. Anyway, this is based on the fact that Legendary has a is doing the King Kong crossover. I just thought it'd be fun to discuss and see what your guys' thoughts on it are. I think the King Kong Godzilla thing works in the fact that like those always built up to the King of the Monsters type situation. The monsters are destined to fight each other, but I don't know if the horror movies, they that's never the end goal. That's never, I don't know. I fucking hate this idea so much. <laughs> I'm sure we'll just see them do what they did with Halloween where they just bring back the franchises in a reimagined kind of continuation and go from there. Yeah, I do think step one is reinvigorate these franchises. You can do a crossover when franchises are popular. Nobody right now is talking about, you know, Leatherface or Jason or, you know, Freddy. So they need to get some fresh air into these franchises. They also need fresh people that do their takes on this. Yeah. It took like Danny McBride and them to basically like bring a, a really unique fun idea to, to Halloween. It, yeah, I don't want nothing against the writers of the old like Friday 13th and Elm Streets and stuff like that, but I don't want those people because they've been involved. It's like when you get someone who's so involved in something for so long, like they're like, okay, so Sam Raimi and Spider-Man 3. And you're like, wouldn't it be fun to do a fun little like campy like <laughs> dance number because Hollywood's just fun. We we need to go back to the days of fun Hollywood. And it's like, no, you asshole. You've been making movies too long. You need to step away. That's terrible. Take a break. Yeah, so I think that we need to get people who are fresh to these franchises if we're going to do that, but... So on the on that note of uh, needing to bring characters back into the forefront of viewers' minds, this article also says that 
Texas Chainsaw will likely be a television show at some point. So they're, they're working How on is that. that e- Never mind. I don't Unless it's like Netflix or HBO. But if it's just like network television, pff, lame. Hopefully it's going to like a Netflix or an HBO because yeah. anything other than that, I don't give a shit. Um, maybe a maybe Showtime. Would you give a shit for 14 episodes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I mean, what can you really delve into there that you want to know 14 episodes worth of anything? That's a good point. I mean, they've already had, what, like eight movies under their belt, and only about three of those are worth worth my time. If there's 16 hours of content, assuming they're two hours each, so. Yeah. Where do you even start, man? Do you restart and redo the original 70, uh, was it 74 well, you, one? You or start do you start at Leatherface and work your way forward? <laughs> what was he doing all that time in the institution? Don't worry. They'll tell you. That's, uh, oh I don't want to know. I hate oh. this idea. The more we talk about it, the less I want to see this. That's season one. We need to get into the movie quick. <laughs> Um, also on the, uh, uh, talking of revitalizing old characters, New Line will eventually, according to a GameSpot interview with David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. Uh, I'm sorry, is that one name? That is all one name. David wow. Leslie Johnson hyphen McGoldrick. Um, he was asked about a new nightmare in Elm Street, which was announced three years ago, but we've heard nothing since. Um, he told them nothing is percolating just yet. The Conjuring universe is sort of first and foremost on New Line Cinema's horror burner. Everybody wants to see Freddy again, I think, so it's inevitable at some point. Basically, he's saying that because of the popularity and the success of Conjuring, it's delayed Freddy Krueger's return. But he's saying that we'll eventually get it. Thanks, John. Well, look, it's depressing that the movie studio can only make one movie franchise at a time. Just hire some more people. Spin I know. up a second one. Well, they're making what? Crooked, Bendy Man? Crooked Man. I got it right the first time. That <laughs> Stretch time. Armstrong Man. Yeah, Crooked Man, Annabelle 3, and Conjuring 3. So that's three at a time. I don't know how many movies that, you know, Blumhouse can pump out or, you know, New Line wants to deal with. But you're right. It seems like now's the time to get these horror things yeah. out. Strike while it's hot. They're going to come out in like 2025 when nobody cares and be like, oh... Freddy, not a franchise, and then we won't hear about it for another 20 years. I mean, the success of the Halloween 2018 should have, like, bumped this up. Like, hey, let's greenlight this now. Let's get it going. And then you got, you know, uh, Robert England's like, hey, I wouldn't mind doing Freddy one more time. If he's willing to get back on board and do it again, why not? We could have a situation where they retcon five and six because we say those are the worst nightmare on Elm Streets. Why not? Do what what Halloween did. Do what RoboCop's doing. Do what, uh, you know, Terminator's doing with Terminator 2019 or whatever. It would be cool if they continued down the new Nightmare story, like, line. I thought there is a lot there, and it's an easy way to rebring the franchise to the forefront. Yeah, that's true. I just, it's been so long since I've seen that one. I don't remember how it ended, if there was any wiggle room to bring back a a real-world Freddy Krueger. There's always wiggle room. This is a (laughs) horror franchise. If they want to bring someone back, they're going to find a way. That's true. Anyways, I thought I'd just let you know where we're sitting on that. Um, so we may not see Freddy for a while, but eventually. Ooh. And who knows what form he takes. Is he going to be a Jackie Earl Haley? Probably not. It'll be a new guy. You know, another reboot of some kind. Um, also announced, we've got a new Amityville horror movie, guys. We've got Amityville Murders coming out in the beginning of February. February 8th, to be exact. I made you guys watch that trailer just a minute ago. You did. What do you think? I think it looks like every Amityville movie that's ever been made since the first one. Yeah, yeah. Paint by Numbers Amityville movie. This is supposed to be a prequel. It's based on the guy that committed all the murders before the house, uh, uh, before the members that moved in in the original 70s movie. So it is based on live people. Wow, that's something that I never, ever cared about. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good point. Yeah, I had literally nothing to say. It is the most generically bland 
trailer. And it's probably the best two and a half minutes of the movie, so... I bet it's PG-13. I didn't even look, but I bet no. it is PG-13. There was, a, there was a sex scene in the trailer, like a pretty, what looked like a graphic sex scene. So I don't know. Maybe they'll try to go for that 13, but I don't know. The trailer looked like garbage. Mark, I don't trust your opinion anymore. And especially after the fact that both of you didn't like the movie today. When did I, I don't say trust that I was looking all. forward to this Amityville horror movie? I was just bringing it to your attention. Why would you do that it's to your friends? News. Why yeah. would you do that? <laughs> friends, don't, the friends don't make friends watch shitty horror trailer movies. <laughs> Today we're talking about Hell Baby from 2013. You're not going to do your greetings, attention from Cyprus or whatever? No, we already, we already passed that. We got in there. Let's <laughs> get into it. Okay. It's the remix. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. <laughs> Garrett wanted me to say this because no, he's staring just, at I'm me. Just, I'm just staring, giving a stare. <laughs> Today we're talking about Hell Baby from 2013. 2013 Hell Baby. It's directed by Robert Ben Garant and Tom Lennon. Can I interrupt you and say the moment I saw two directors, I was like, oh, we're in for a treat. Except those two <laughs> guys work on like a lot of the same things. It's the guys from the, stri- the state. Okay. Uh, I didn't know. Also, Reno 911. You may know him from that. MTV's the state. To MTV's be precise. the state. Yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, Reno 911. Tom Lennon. He's the guy that was in Puppet Master Little Shrike. Yes, he was. Amazing um, in that movie. He's been in a ton of stuff. Um, I love his work. Everybody in this film, I think, are really funny people. Dude, it's an insane cast. It's like. Michael Key or wait, what's his name? Here, I'll read Keegan? it off. Yeah, okay. Here. I have a list here. Uh, You're so close, though. <laughs> <laughs> this film stars Tom Lennon as Father Padrigo, Rob Corddry as Jack, Lisa Lib as Vanessa, Keegan-Michael Key as Fernell, Robert Ben Garant as Father Sebastian, Paul Shear as Ron, Rob Hubel as Mickey, Ricky Lindholm as Marjorie, and Michael Ian Black as Dr. Marshall. Yeah, I mean, you know those names like from all over the stuff you're watching if you know comedy in any form or fashion. But yeah, this was... Um, Unless I you're into this, mimes. <laughs> that's true. You won't know that. I saw this trailer back in like, I think it was like 2012 or something like that. And I was like, oh, I need to put that on my radar to watch. And um, I just, I couldn't find it. It didn't come out in theaters anywhere near me. And there's probably a reason for that because the film budgeted at $2,500,000 and it made a total gross USA net worth of... Wow. It was a massive loss financially. But, you know. That is like borderline money laundering loss. Like, (laughs) is the mob involved in this? Well, a lot of the a lot of the people who did this movie like didn't work for what they were supposed to get paid. Like they worked for like bare minimum just to be in it because they wanted to work with like people who were in it and stuff like that. So this was the last film that this duo directed, by the way. Well, is it really? I thought they did Reno Nine One One together. Well, that was pre this. Oh, was it over by that? The movie was. Yeah. Oh, wow. My time's all fucked up. Well, after you lose... What year is it, guys? (laughs) If if you lose $2 million, you probably don't get to direct a movie again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Well, it depends on your budget. If you you make $5,000, let's put it that way, you don't get to make a movie. That's like one movie theater's worth of sales. Yeah. Well, I mean, they both said that they wanted this movie to be completely pointless and just like mindless fun. Um, They had complete creative freedom, which... Okay. I thought, I thought it was hilarious. I think I'm the only one here who enjoyed this movie. I will admit there were some scenes that I was like, oh, this is kind of childish and dumb and this doesn't really serve a purpose. But I laughed like almost all the way through and I liked a lot of the horror like uh, homages, like the Omen stuff. And, you know, I don't Reno know. Reno 911 came out in 2007. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm so old. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. Here's what the back of the DVD has to say about Hell Baby. They released this on DVD? Yeah. 
Rob Corddry and Lisa Bibb star in Hell Baby, a horror comedy about an expectant couple forced to enlist the help of Vatican's elite exorcism team after they move into a haunted fixer-upper in New Orleans. This hilariously zany feature is the co-directing debut of writing-acting duo Robert Ben Garant and Thomas Lennon. That's it. Wait, that's the back of the box? This is their debut? Well, I think as like directors. directors. Um, now, I'm not going to die on this hill because I probably, you know, I, I haven't read the back of every box ever, but I feel like any movie described as zany is a good, uh, just a clear indicator. Stay away. <laughs> Unless you're watching Looney Tunes, you don't want zany in there. Tonight on the Family Channel, <laughs> it's Golden Puppy Buddies in the zany wacky dog comedy. <laughs> I will say this, like I kind of, I kind of knew what I was getting into this because I was like, I know these guys humor. I've seen them do enough stuff where I was like, okay, I'm on board. This is going to be like a fun little like comedy horror. Evidently people thought different because the, the plot keywords on IMDb are full frontal female nudity, breast, supernatural, demon, possession, and there's more. But I was like, wow, you guys did not put comedy in there. You did not put horror. Yeah. There was like (laughs) next to nothing. The nudity um, was gratuitous, and it goes on for a long time, though. So if you're looking for that, then... If uh, you're looking for female nudity, this yeah. movie has got you covered. It, it feels like it goes on for like 10 of the 90-minute runtime. And I still would have taken more. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics have this at a 31%, and the audience score is 27%. Wow. I would have so. put this at least a little bit higher, but I can see that. Uh, 31, I, I, I can see. Yeah, that's probably where I'd put it. 36 critical. Or 36, yeah. No, 36 people out of the critics gave it a 31%. Mm. Uh, um, I See, the thing is, I like this movie, but I will have to acknowledge that this was not a great movie. <laughs> it had so many good ideas. I just feel like the execution fell flat somewhere. I feel like this ranks up there in the pantheon of like in the army now with Polly Shore <laughs> and like other like kind of like you enjoy like dude, where's my car? Like comedy movies where you're kind of like, yeah, that was really fucking dumb but I enjoyed it. This movie has a comedy structure that is really hit or miss for me where it seems like they just turned the camera on. Uh, they got a bunch of people they knew were funny and were like, okay, this is the scene. Let's just improvise the jokes and let's move along. And a lot of times that just doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. I'm reminded of a lot of the late Will Ferrell films, you know, after uh, the run of successes of like Anchorman and stuff like that, where the formulaic of nature of the, improvisation just kind of fell flat a lot of times. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I wasn't a fan of semi-pro Mm-mm. or basically anything afterwards. It feels um, like, cause it tends to happen is the jokes just seem to go on too long and it's like, Oh my God, just cut. And I think like there's a, a certain comedy like in running a joke to the ground. Like I get what they were going for, but that works like once in a movie. Like you can't do it like multiple times in a row. It just starts to feel like you don't know how to edit a movie, do you? <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely some Family Guy style jokes. Um, in particular, what I'm thinking of is the puking scene. Yes, that's it. What just I was keeps thinking. going on and on, and you're like, okay, I've seen this done, and I've seen it done better. I kind of want to just get past it and let's get back to the movie. Yep, that was the exact scene in my mind. I was thinking about running into the ground and their farting, burping jokes. Yeah, the, the fart and burp jokes stuff, I was like, I was like eh, okay. The puking thing kind of was like, well, okay, that's uncomfortable. And then I thought it did get funny. Like, it kept going to a point. And then when, when Key is like, like, let's take this to the living room where there's less puke. I was like, okay, that's a great little, like, end cap to this this moment that, like, they, they acknowledge the levity of, like, okay, we did this for a very long time. Yeah. 
I, Keegan, spectacular. He like made the movie for me. If he wasn't in this movie. Fresnel. 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 It, it's spelled just like it sounds. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. F apostrophe R E S N E L. It's spelled, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if he wasn't in, I think this would have been like a 0%. Because, I mean, every scene, he was in a lot of the scenes, thankfully, and he did a lot of heavy improvement. Like, assuming this is a. In I can't say it either. It's now, not. Mark. Basically, they according to them, like, this, towards but... the end of the movie, the, the final couple scenes, those were heavily improv, mm -hmm. but the rest was, like, actually scripted out. Oh. But they gave everybody a lot of wiggle room, yeah. I think, to kind of, like, do their own takes, I think. And I think maybe they just picked. I don't know. It, it's hard to know because, again, what you find funny at the time versus True. what you find funny in hindsight may be different. But I, I, thought there was I also be wonder. Horror. Yeah, it was definitely skewed on the comedy side way more, um, almost to the level of parody, you know, yeah. of the exorcism films and things like that. I was, I'm curious what I would have thought of it if I'd seen it in high school or in my early 20s. Like, um, you know, we mentioned off mic that, about the scary movies. Yeah. From the early 2000s. I wonder how I would feel about this film had I seen it back when those were coming out. I probably would have liked it more, yeah, if I were like 17. This is definitely that. Like, But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, there's so many funny jokes in this movie. I don't want to also be like, everything about this movie was shit, because that's not true. There were some funny, funny jokes. I laughed so fucking much. I mean, granted, like I said, I wish it was a little more horror element to it, but I mean, some of it was pretty good. But like, yeah, this ended up being a comedy yeah. with just some horror, like, you know, kind of like, you know, homage horror right. stuff. Which is fine. But it was fucking funny from start to finish. I mean, I don't think there was a moment that I wasn't like at least every other scene, like laughing, like legitimately hard at what was going on. I mean, fucking Tom Lennon and Ben Garant's like portrayal of the priests. Like when they're first talking to the, uh, the Cardinal who I thought was Adrian Brody. Yeah, I thought that too. Okay. It wasn't. And we're actually on the Instagram. We're going to put a picture of, um, David Pasquay or whatever his name is. I can't remember, but like, he looks like an older version of Dave, Adrian Brody. When they're talking to him, like just even like the way they're talking and stuff like that, the, the repartee between them. You're already playing catch up. Take a look at that photo. So gross. Super gross. Super gross. This is just a photograph. See? Yeah. In real life, it's far more horrifying. Get your asses on the chopper. We're going to need some per diem. You know that's not me, right? That no, was, I hope that wasn't for me. No, because no, I no, 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 okay. no, no. I was no. reminding myself. Okay. Go to accounting. We're going to need some per diem. Level four. The yeah, guy down, down, down below. The hunchback. Yeah. yeah, near the fingers of Saint Peter. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> I mean, just like the jokes were. The jokes were great. There were a few, a few that I thought were like, like the farting, you know, yeah, stuff like that. I was like, eh, that's kind of eh. I think I'm with John where like some of it works, but a lot of it for me doesn't. So the same characters you're describing as the 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 Vatican priests. They do this whole thing, and then, and then we will go down to the uh, we'll go down to the Bourbon Street, and we'll see the perky boobies. You know, they bring them out for a stroll, yeah. and they go on for such a long time. I was like, it was barely funny to begin with, and you just keep going with this like we're gonna see titties joke. And I didn't think it was funny. But the at end all. though, he's like, you know, Tomlin is like, you had me at uh, perky boobs. Like, I mean, they acknowledge the joke goes on long, and then like, he's like, you didn't even have to say any of that yeah, because just, I'm already in. The, the, the see, payoff, I thought that was funny. The payoff just didn't work for me. Like by the time we got there, I was like, okay. That's yeah, I found them to be my least favorite characters, I think. Who was your favorite character out of this movie then? Oh, definitely Keegan or Fresnel. But then like okay. probably the cops after I thought they were funny. I always <laughs> like Paul Shear. I'm a fan of his. Every, so. See, I thought the cops were the weakest part to me. Oh, like, okay. I think they're funny, but like... They some of their riffing, kind of, some of their joke, uh, you know, making up names for uh, Rob Corddry's character throughout the thing felt a little forced too at times. Like, okay, we're going to do this again. Literally making them up on the spot. Yeah. First time funny, second time not so funny. 
but yeah, yeah, they're always great and stuff. But um, yeah, Keegan definitely was like every time he every time he'd show up, he'd show up in a way that like frightened yeah. or um, startled uh, Rob Corddry's character. And he'd be like, ah, and they'd both scream. He's like, oh, I frightened you, didn't I? I'm so sorry. Ooh, it gave us the, you know, just His like. His delivery was always so perfect. It was like, oh yeah, the house of blood or the house where nobody or the dead doesn't rest. And like, he was really good at just being deadpan when required and like over the top when not. I think the movie delivers on the acting front. I don't think there's anybody that did a poor performance in this. I'll give you um, that. Yeah. I even like Rob Corddry is kind of the straight guy. Okay, yeah. Rob Corddry in this movie had the best reactions to everything. Like when he shocks himself, he's like, fuck you, Lamp. Or like when the boxes <laughs> pop up and he's just like, okay, what the fuck? Like his his responses to everything that happened when his wife's like, like so the, the plot of this movie is they buy a house in like some shitty district of New Orleans that's the like Southern Southern Garden District or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. It looks like it should be condemned. They get it for like super cheap. They're moving in. Rob Corgi's wife is pregnant with, I guess she says twins, right? Yeah. Yeah. Twins. And they're going to move in. And that's when they find out that this house is like had a bunch of murders and death in it and stuff like that. And then a bunch of random stuff starts happening. She starts kind of acting weird. You realize that she's like becoming like kind of possessed and then the priests show up. Yeah, she's drinking paint thinner. Yeah. Um, she's acting really bizarre. She's smoking, smoking and drinking like crazy. Like any normal, like Rob Cordry should have been like, hey, you know, quit the sit. I mean, I know he mentions it, but dude, she's bent down in glass after glass of wine. Yeah, she's like, like four packs in a day. You like, just ruined your child. Like he's, he's going to come out all Right at up. the finish line, you fucked it up. <laughs> I know. Like you have a day left before you yeah. give birth. So the cops are investigating some random shit that's going on in the house. Evidently, they think they killed an old lady who... Yeah, they portray this old lady as like a ghost or a demon or something, but it finds out she's just a naked 90-year-old lady and you see her naked far more than you want to. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, and through investigating, they kind of find out something else is crazy going on. They call the priests and then they end up showing up at the house and then it all leads to the big you know, crescendo where the priests and the cops are having to like, these babies are being delivered. The wife's full possessed. She has a normal twin and then a demon twin. Yeah. And the demon baby looks awesome. Yeah, I'll give it that. I do have a question about this. If she was, did she start off with twins and then one of them transformed into a demon? I don't know. Or did she only have one baby and then after they moved into the house, she got a second one? I No, because she said twins early. I think it got possessed mid, like mid-pregnancy because the doctor's like, oh, we just got your latest ultrasound and I am scared for myself and humanity. And <laughs> <laughs> that line was really good. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's scrubbing something in the sink and then it's, it's like just the her message, nails. She's just and she's like, She's scrubbing her like fingers raw. And I was like, oh, it looks like what happens when I bite my nails. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, the, the, she gets a phone call and the doctor's like, uh, I'm horrified, not just as a doctor, but as also a person. <laughs> <laughs> and then she deletes the message because at this point she kind of knows. But anyway, yeah, so it all builds up to her having the twins. One's the one's a demon, like a, a devil, and they have to take it out. And then there's a big old mess of craziness that happens. People die. People yeah. get eaten by the, the baby. We did fast forward my favorite part of the movie because it had Kamel Nanjiani in it, where he's the cable guy. They try to, of course, right, they got a haunted house. They have to do a cleansing ritual. <laughs> the cleansing ritual is to just smoke really strong weed. And yeah. it is hilarious. Um, he's just like, I'm just here to install the cable internet. She's like, well, the circle's complete now. You can't leave. Yeah, so her, um, the main character, what's the main character's name? God. Vanessa. Vanessa, Vanessa yeah. Um, ends up calling, her sister wants to come over and do like a cleansing ceremony. Right. And her sister, Marjorie, who is the linchpin of full frontal female nudity oh, yeah. in this movie. You see, there's nothing left to the imagination. Yeah, and... Um, 
Yeah, she that's uh, Ricky Lindholm, and she plays one part of that uh, comedy duo. Uh, what is it, Simon and Garfunkel or whatever? Oh, is that who that is? Yeah, I, for, oh. I, I forget exactly. I knew what I recognized called, but, yeah. her, but I didn't. Um, I don't think it's Simon and it's Garfunkel. Garfunkel and Oates. There that's what go. it is. Yeah, Garfunkel, Garfunkel and Oates. She's one of those ladies. Anyway, continue. It all leads up, and they end up killing the um, the demon baby in a glorious fashion. They end up like this lamp that Rob Corddry has been like messing with has been shocking him the whole movie. He goes and stabs the baby and it lights up on fire and um, gets engulfed in flames and they beat it. But like a bunch of people have been killed at this point. Everything is fine. But yeah, she was possessed by a demon baby, I guess. The end. Oh, and of course they kill Fresnel. Well, he gets hit by a car. At the yes, very at end. The very, which, I mean, they obviously telegraph for like, per usual, way too long for like five minutes. He's just like, this is the luckiest day of my life. And of course he gets hit by a car. One of the jokes that didn't really work for me and then finally it took so long to pay off that I was kind of like, okay. Um, it was the whole Rob Corddry messing with that lamp. Yeah. And it was just over and over again and him trying to fix this lamp where any normal person would have just like thrown this out, getting a regular lamp. Like why was he trying to repair an old lamp that was shocking him so many times? Uh, but that's actually how they take out the demon baby is he running, go get that the lamp that's malfunctioning and he fries the the demon baby. Well, if you're going to fire a gun in Act 3, in Act 1, you have to show the gun. And so, I know, but it was just such a long time for a payoff of the point of the lamp. Was I like, did love okay. the fact that every time they cut back to him just being like a normal, like, I'm going to fix this house up, he was dicking with that lamp, and every time it shocked him, he was like, son of a bitch! Like, like he just like was so upset every time, like, he should have known better. Like, I, I thought Rob Corddry was great in this movie. Like, I'm not a huge Rob Corddry fan, but like... Dude, he was he acted so well in this. I think if you would have cut out like two of the lamp scenes and just had it happen one or two times and then he gets it at the end, I would have liked it more. I just felt a little um exhausted by the time. I will concede we that if they cut that. like maybe like a minute, or not a minute, but maybe yeah, maybe a minute off every gag, it probably would have been a tighter movie. Yeah, but then they'd have like a 45 minute movie. I Which, if they're used to writing for television, maybe that's part of the problem that they ran into. If you're used to writing for 30 or 45 minutes, and now you got to come up with 90 minutes, maybe you have jokes that go on for way too long. I still love this movie. I thought it was hilarious from start to finish, though. Like, even the jokes that kept coming back. Like, at one point, like, the priests are there and the cops are like, Hey, you guys new in town? Check. You ever have a Domelisi's po' boy? Oh, po' boy. It's good. <laughs> And they go to like this po'boy like place and they have it and it's like wet mouth noises oh, and so just, gross. it's so nasty, but like they're enjoying it so much. And then like, you're like, well, that was a weird scene. And then they start talking about their backstories. Like the priests are like, you know. Yeah, but their backstories are so ridiculous. What was One of them was like, like I was one of those uh, living statues and uh, the mafia had a shootout and I got shot 19 times. And I'm like, that yeah. seems very specific. But then the nurses <laughs> had to extract the bullets with their mouth. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's all sensual scene. Yeah. And they're like them sucking out the bullets out of Ben Garant. He goes, I guess the doctor wasn't in that day. <laughs> that <laughs> was funny. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's pretty crazy. And then I can't remember what Thomas Lennon's was. Oh, he was a, he was a bullfighter. Yeah. And the bull won. And he's like, <laughs> he's like I should have died. But... I didn't. And then I decided to like give my life to the Lord. And that's how they became priests. And then the cops are like, oh, so me and him met. And they're like, no, we're good. But we don't need to know your backstory. We, we get it. You guys didn't like each other. You like, it's like they make an acknowledgement of like all cop backstories being similar. Yeah. 
Um, it feels like the throwaway, like maybe improvised lines were the funniest parts of the movie, though. Because yeah, in Tom Lennon's story, he's like, I still hear the cheers for they gave the bull on his parade. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is, like, there's such amazing, subtle comedy in this movie. Like, I love so much of that, but I feel like I focused more on that and less on like how long it was because like I thought the payoffs were worth it. It's just so few of like and yeah, I'm gonna say like there was a lot of buildup. And then some of the payoffs didn't work. Like the pull away thing didn't really work for me until finally we got to a part where another group of people go up to the shop to eat these poor boys. And then like halfway through, there's like, we're going to need another round of poor boys over here. Like <laughs> I laughed at that part. I was yeah. like, okay, that's pretty good. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of the, for me, it's the syndrome of family guys, like where they just want to keep going and going and going and going on a joke when I felt like we should have, you know, moved on to something else. Well, there's that old thing of comedy. Like it's, it's funny until it's not funny. And then it becomes funny again. And I think for the po' boy thing that that's exactly what they did. Like, cause the second time they did the po' boy thing, I was like, this is pointless. Like, why did you guys go back here? And then they did it a third time. And I was like, okay, I get the joke now. Or when there's like another round of po' boys, I was like, okay, it's kind of funny again. But I think they did like, there was a part where like, there was a couple scenes in the movie where like, um, actors would mimic the same thing. They'd be like, Ooh, gross gross, gross. And then you could tell they were trying to like both say the same thing repeatedly over and over again to kind of be funny. That came off as like, that didn't work for me. That didn't work for me at all. Oh, so gross. Oh, gross. Oh yeah. So gross. These are just pictures. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't want to hate on this too hard, but in the first 30 minutes, I wanted to turn it off. And, but as the movie continued on and some of the payoffs did start happening slowly, but, but surely I was like, okay, I think I'm finally kind of getting into the groove of this film and then it just abruptly went through the the parody beats of the of the uh, the horror stuff, and then it was just kind of over. And then they killed Fernell, and I was like, "Oh, all right." I don't know. It just I wasn't sure what the point of the movie was. I think it was just a fun like a fun project where they're like let's pay homage to these horror things, but like kind of like twist it and have fun with it. You know, like I don't know. I I was in the moment she peed herself when he picked her up and she's like wiping herself off with newspaper in front of the, like the neighbors who are sitting on their like dilapidated boards. I was like, okay, I get this movie. This is funny. And that's in the, like the first five minutes of this film. Everyone was great. I mean, it might be unfair, but I was I was comparing this movie to to Tucker and Dale throughout a lot of it. It's like See, two why, different types why, of films. And maybe that's my fault. But I was like, why would you want to watch this one when there's such a like a more intelligent horror comedy out there? Like what, who, who would this be for? Do you think Garrett, like me, who would you recommend? <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly me. It had some flaws, but like, I haven't watched many like cheesy comedies that have not had major flaws. I mean, you guys know, mm. I love me some Polly Shore, but I can't <laughs> honestly in my right, like mind defend a lot of Polly Shore movies without acknowledging the fact that there are some major flaws in them. I mean, jury duty. I mean, I, I love that movie, but I cannot like look you guys square in the eyes and be like, no, that is a solid flick. Jury Duty you know? is literally the movie that always comes to mind when someone says Polly Shore. I don't know why, but that is really? the one that, um, that I immediately think of. If I like, do free association. I think most people assume Encino, Encino Man or... I go uh, Biodome or In Biodome. the Army now. For some reason, for me, <laughs> Jerry Duty. Polly Shore, Jerry Duty. That's my assumption. But anyway, I mean, like I said, like, you have to... I think comparing it to Tucker and Dale, which I will say was... I don't want to say flawless, but it was a almost perfect film for me. Yeah. If you compare the two, you're going to inadvertently be let down by this because this definitely had a very different feel. 
I would say this is very high school as opposed to professional. Yeah, Mark touched on it earlier. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's immature. I just think it's like just the production level yeah. of it. It just feels a lot more kind of loose structured. Mm-hmm. And this is a scary movie type of movie. That is, uh, if you liked those type of movies, this I think would be the kind of movie you'd be into. I mean, it's probably a little... I think the comedy is way too different to fully compare them because scary movies very much like over-the-top, naked-gun-type parody. I mean, but this I feel like borderline this is more... was always pretty I think I think Scary Movie is more topical for the time, though. This one yes. could be viewed at any year. Okay, and it really, okay. It, I'll give you some of yeah. that. Yeah, it's not as, like, time-bound, like, Scary Maybe Movies. Maybe some of the jokes are as juvenile yeah. as Scary Movie, but, like, Scary Movie, like, almost every scene was trying to, like, make fun of another movie, and this wasn't doing that. I mean, it had homages to stuff, but it wasn't, like... This is our. I think it's it's, it's more of a loose parody than a direct parody. Okay, you're right. You it's it's not like trying to do uh, where where it's scary movie genre as opposed to a specific correct yeah titles. Okay. Where you know scary movie does the actual exorcist scene with Reagan only stupid with James Wood. <laughs> um, this one is more like oh we're gonna do our own exorcist right. you know possession scene. But the like humor style is very similar. I wouldn't say like quality, but I think stylistically. The, that's the vein that this movie is in. Cause I mean, it's not in the Tucker and Dale. It's not in the Shaun of the dead level, like style of humor. It's much more on the nose family guy or, or comedy rather. Yeah, I can see that. Like I said, I really wish there was a little bit more horror aspect in this movie. Yeah. And the I think trailer would have tightened it up. The, um, I think it would have made the, the comedy seem a little more, um, important agreed if it was like not every scene was a super comedic moment and it was more like kind of like serious moments mixed in yeah yeah i think you're touching on something that i think would improve it for me too is like you pull out some of the stuff that doesn't work quite as well and let the other jokes have room to breathe yes and then i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more Yeah, because the trailer made it seem like a much scarier movie than it is like it was a really good trailer because yeah, I watched the trailer because I'd never heard of this before. And uh, I was like, oh, this looks legit, like sweet, you know, and, and then well, I hadn't movie. seen it before either. I ah. mean, the thing is, I saw the trailer and was like, oh, I always wanted to watch yeah. that. And so I was like, we based should on watch the trailer, it. it looked like one of the funniest movies I was going to see this yes. year. But the, now I can't be on the back of that box. I'm it sorry. It's a well cut <laughs> trailer. I'll give them that, man. I see what you're saying. I think like like when the cops show up, when Paul Shear and uh, Rob Hubel. Yeah. Rob Hubel show up. Like if those scenes were more intense and like less comedic. I think it would have lent well to like when there was a comedic moment after that. Yeah. Like after they go back inside and like, woo, we totally got away with that. You know, like those kind of comedic moments, I think they would have carried more weight, but yeah, yeah like every scene, even during the serious stuff is like comedic and it can be done well. Cause there was a point where the priests are sitting outside in a car talking to the cops and oh, a bird. bird crashes into the windshield, like busts open the windshield completely. And they're like, Whoa, does that happen often? He's like, you'd be surprised more than you think. And then like, look at it. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a harpy. You know, it's like got the symbol of the beast on it and stuff like that. And like, they're just completely deadpan and they're being very serious, but the moment is so ludicrously funny. It lends itself, but like that kind of comedy would have worked better than the like, listen, if you're going to ask us questions, should we get a lawyer? If you're guilty, you absolutely should. Absolutely. Don't say another word if you're guilty. So. Are you? Are you guilty, Shakespeare? Are you, Einstein? Hmm? Let me ask you a question, Brainiac. What did you do that makes you so nervous? What did you do, Bookworm? Nothing, I... Why don't you take a walk with us, Casanova? Wait, I'm sorry, I'm confused. Uh, am I still Casanova? Because up until now, all the nicknames have been smart guy related, and that's more like Loverboy. 
Yes, Casanova's also you. I was trying to come up with another smart guy, and I just blanked. I'm sorry. I should have said Stephen Hawking. So, you... Why don't you take a walk with us, Moliere? That kind of stuff kind of cheapened those I mean, moments. I think they missed a great opportunity at the psychiatrist's office. Like, uh, eventually... With Michael Ian Black yes. as the, uh, in biker shorts. Yeah, you could see his whole penis in there. Honey, look. <laughs> it's like inches away from Rob Hubel, yeah. or Rob uh, Cordy's face. Um, and like, again, but that scene went on a little too long. It's like, it definitely you know, if you did. cut that down a little bit, it would have been more impactful for me. So, I mean, like I said, I don't know if I would time, necessarily who are we to judge. I mean, you know, well, we're yeah, three no. guys with a podcast. That's what <laughs> we do. <laughs> Look, if you want me to make a comedy, it's going to be real shit. I promise you. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know who I would necessarily recommend this to. Um, would you any of you guys recommend it? Gary, it sounds like you would. I would. But I would set now that I've seen it, I would set the, the preface of like, you're about to watch a like a really dumb comedy that's actually really funny. Um, but again, I, when I recommended this to you guys, I had not seen it. So I didn't know. Fair so enough. like, I think I, I hyped it up a little bit. Like this looks fucking great. You know, Which like it did. No, it the really trailer did. did that itself. Yeah. Are we going to acknowledge though, the amazing scene at the end where they're fighting the demon baby and everyone's like just acting their ass off and they're punching <laughs> this baby. There was so much like legit baby punching in this. Yeah. I was like, wow, they're just showing it. Like they're like hitting it. They're like slamming funny. it. They're throwing it around. I did like the two cops, Shear and Hubel had each other's name tags on. Hubel, yeah, Hubel had Shear on it and, and Shear had a Hubel on his on his tag. Oh, that's so they were wearing, cool. wearing each other's names. But yeah, that was, oh man, it was so good. I enjoyed this movie, but yeah, I, I was definitely kind of, at first I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. Yeah. But well, okay, so what's Darko Entertainment? It looks like Donnie Darko has like a movie company because they're the ones that like help produce this or something like that mm. with Millennium. That was definitely the bunny from Donnie Darko as the logo. But so. Yeah, like Darko Entertainment presents. I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, was that movie that successful? They got to make their own company. Darko Entertainment is a production company that was launched in late 2007 by writer director Richard Kelly, who is best known for directing the 2001 cult classic Donnie Darko. Oh, maybe he was a producer on this movie. Yeah. I would recommend it to people who like scary movie. If you like that movie, I think you'll like this movie. It's it's on Amazon Prime right now, so you don't yes. lose anything by checking it out. If you like comedy, if you like the state, if you like MTV's the state, you like Reno Nine One One, you like <clears throat> Full Frontal Naked Women, Family you Guy, you like uh, Family Guy, you like um, Baby Punching. <laughs> I mean, this movie's got it all for you. <laughs> I mean, I would recommend it though. I mean, again. If someone was like, hey, tell me about a funny movie, I would not lead with this, but I mean, you know. I think I've just seen better output from everybody involved in this movie, and that's maybe that was my fault too, because I might have put too much on this film also. That's actually, you know what? That's fair. Yeah. That's a really fair point because I think with the the right, I don't want to say the right direction because I've seen Lennon and Grant have like, uh, Grant and um, did uh, Balls of Fury. Which is fucking hilarious. That, is that movie, the ping pong one? Yes, that movie yeah. from start to finish is great. So maybe this was their first foray into it and they just hadn't found their right stride yet. But like, I think all these, everyone in this is so good at what they do. I think maybe the, the loose structure of just kind of having free creative freedom may have been a little bit too much. As there was a lower out. quality of actor and actress in this movie. It would have really, really missed the mark. I mean, thankfully, everyone did a really great job with the material that they had. And I think Mark had said this earlier. I mean, the acting is, is you can't really complain about it. 
hit Dude, Glennon and Grant are great as a priest. I know you guys didn't really care for their, their shtick, but I it was, thought it was like more that the, 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 there was such a shakiness to Tom Lennon's Italian accent at times. I was like, <laughs> but that all was, right, that was buddy. the joke I, of it, though. I like, know. when they're running into the house <laughs> and the cops are like, you ready to go in? And the guys are like trying to take like four more drags of their cigarette as yeah. much as possible because they know they can't smoke inside. I'm like, and that like, stuff's funny, but I think because they led with that, and again, I didn't know what type of film I was getting into. That when you lead with the priest with the with the shaky Italian accents, I'm like, oh man, okay, what is this exactly? <laughs> like, and then I have to like reset what my expectations. What did you expect Schindler's List out of this? I mean, no, like, I was like I said, I went in thinking it was going to be more along the lines of uh, like a Tucker and Dale style uh, okay. like horror film. So, and I guess I guess that's if I expected that, I would have. I guess also, I've seen a lot of what this these people have done. I've seen some of their their older stuff, their newer stuff, and I maybe I, I was kind of in the right place to know what to expect from this team. I'm not going to lie. It's not perfect. I mean, there definitely are scenes and jokes that I'm like, you should have cut that down, or that could have been tighter. I guess I was more like comfortable with how they, they've done things before, so maybe You're, it didn't bother me as much. You were exposed to their styles. Yeah. Vaccinated, if you will. Vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was fun. I, I wish you guys would have enjoyed it more. I mean, again, yeah. I didn't know, but like... It was fine. Yeah. yeah, it's if you're a fan of anybody that's in this film, give it a watch. There's also a dog, and it does not die. Oh, that's true. Though we think it's dead to begin with. You do think it's a, a ghost dog? Yeah, it's ghost dog. That was a good movie. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, no, like no, no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. It's, Thank you. Well, except for that bird, maybe. Okay, dead bird. But you know, you don't see it. They just kind of. It's just, I mean, it has a heart attack. Yeah, maybe. So, maybe it just had high cholesterol. Natural causes, bro. You know? <laughs> the bird wasn't murdered. I think that's the important yes. part. All right, well, tune in next week when we talk about... Baby Hell. Ooh, Baby Hell. That's a sequel. <laughs> I see what you did there. Flip mode. Flip I was thinking about a hell full of babies. I'm like, man, that's fucked up. Is that just what you sit there and think of when the rest of us are talking? <laughs> no, I just flipped the words and Baby Hell. What does Baby Hell look like? I don't oh, know. Okay. Anyway, that's it for me. You guys got anything else? Patty top baby hell. Patty <laughs> top baby hell. You know. Uh, yeah, now we're good. I think that's all. All right. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>